Hi, welcome to the 14th post in Greatheart's Table. I really hope you've found these helpful, and if you have, I really hope that you invite others. This week, I'd like to continue our conversation about busyness, and I'd like to suggest some pathways by which we might lessen the stress. But of course, where we need to end is where we end, putting aside our desire for acclaim and attention and success and finding our contentment in Jesus. So uh, let's consider what it means to be an unbusy pastor. Oh, my favorite people are broken. Believe me, I As I've been writing about pastoral busyness, I've had an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. Drawing attention to how busyness can be a problem makes the angel happy. Go Randy, he shouts. But the devil's not so amused. Are you going to tell them everything, Randy? He growls. Or are you going to let them go on believing that you have it all together? Aren't you the guy who, because of that wedding last weekend and the upcoming class you're prepping while managing staff changes and plans for the fall, has not had a proper day off since, well, tell me, when was that, huh? So yeah, full disclosure is in order. I am afflicted with the disease of busyness and have not yet found the cure. That does not mean I've not found treatment strategies, and with these I find I can manage my busyness even if I can't completely rid myself of it. I want to share these strategies with you here with the hope that they might be of some help to others. First, I've had to look very closely at how I'm wired. My personality thrives on the energy of busyness. I seem to produce best under pressure. I may envy the guy sitting at Starbucks with a book and a latte and not a care in the world, but if that were all I had to do, I'd come unglued. Having lots to do is what keeps me sane. It's the way God made me. Or that's what I tell myself. Perhaps I just say this in order to justify what is really my sin. That's why I need to process all of these thoughts with others. Good friends and a trusted therapist help me sort out who I really am. As long, of course, as I'm willing to listen to them. Secondly, I repeatedly have to be reminded of my purpose, my calling. I am, first of all, a pastor. Eugene Peterson's The Contemplative Pastor is a book I've read several times just because he so carefully reminds me of the shape of my calling. A pastor, though doing many things, is called primarily to pray, to preach, and to listen. His thoughts on listening particularly have been important to me. He says, Too much pastoral visitation is punching the clock, assuring people we're on the job, being busy, earning our pay. Pastoral listening requires unhurried leisure, even if it's only for five minutes. Leisure is a quality of spirit, not a quantity of time. Time and again, people tell me that the pastors with the deepest impact in their lives have been those who took the time to just sit with them and listen. I need to be reminded of these things repeatedly. Thirdly, though, 
Knowing what's important is useless and guilt-inducing without a system I can trust to help me sort the endless stream of expectations. David Allen gave me that system. The stack of magazines that once occupied a corner of my desk was symbolic of my out-of-focus life. I told myself I would read them someday. I lied a lot to myself like that. I felt mounting dis-ease, knowing I could not and would never do it. Then, in 2004, an article in The Atlantic directed me to Allen's Getting Things Done, a practical approach to bringing order to the disordered. Allen helped me develop a system by which I could process my life's constant flow of changing expectations. The magazines and other guilt-inducing objects and objectives were tossed, and I've been able to be more honest about what I will do while more reliably getting done the things that need doing. Finally, the fundamental problem remains. Allender, Peterson, and others are right. I'm often busy because I'm vain. I live for acclaim, something Gordon MacDonald first suggested to me 40 years ago in what he called the laws of unseized time. All four are worth consideration, but the fourth is relevant here. He says, unseized time gets invested in things that gain public acclamation. This hunger for public acclaim is toxic to the heart of pastoral ministry, and we pastors should know that better than most. The only thing that matters, the only acclaim worth having, is the acclaim, the acceptance, the love of our Savior. Perhaps we're too busy preaching that to really hear it. Mary, not Martha, found the one thing necessary. We join her not by our busyness, but by our stillness. In the end, there is only one voice to hear, that of the Savior, who is always saying, well done. When I slow down and am quiet for a while, I am able to hear him say it. Great Hearts Table is published on the first, second, and fourth Mondays of each month in both audio and print format. I hope you will email me with comments and questions so that I can better know you, and I hope you'll subscribe and encourage others to do so. Thanks for joining us at Great Hearts Table. I am Randy Greenwald, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Oviedo, Florida. Just shy of breaking down, there's a bend in the road that I have found called home. Take a left of loneliness There's a place to find forgiveness Called home